Hey friends, welcome to the Bullhawk Sports Show. I am CG Hawk, joined by DG Valley the Bull. This is episode 47 of the program. And we are very excited to bring to you a variety of topics today, ranging from Bears talk, NWSL explosive news, also more talk on different sports. So let's get to it right away, beginning with our first five for episode 47. I guess I'll go first. The first one that I found is from Yahoo Sports. This is a basketball article by Charles Goodman titled Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes lobbies for Toronto Raptors to play in Kansas City next season. And this pretty much very simple terms due to COVID-19 pandemic and travel from the United States to Canada coming to a grinding halt. The Raptors now need to find a new home arena to play in for the upcoming NBA season in the United States. There are a variety of places that have been suggested, such as Louisville's KFC Yum Center. That's where the Louisville University. Also, some people have suggested the T-Mobile Center, which is in Kansas City. And that is what Patrick Holmes is lobbying for. And the mayor of Kansas City, Quinton Lucas, the mayor, said working on it in a tweet to Patrick Holmes. And I like the other name that get this the talking store talking stick resort. Yeah, I like that one. You know. Another good name. And finally, last comment. The Raptors to Kansas City would be a smart business move for the NBA. He could gauge the interest of a thriving sports market that doesn't currently have an NBA franchise. They had long been on the list for future expansion franchises. Could be a good opportunity to gauge NBA interest. And finally, Patrick Mahomes already brought his favorite burger franchise, Whataburger, to Kansas City. Perhaps his influence is enough to help the city add an NBA team as well. Cool. My first business is on the NBA. And this one is very intriguing since it's already... The usual five-month layoff, you can say, the uh, five-month break that NBA usually does. Um, they're in different circumstances, obviously. So this is from an interview that Danny Green did um, as part of as part of the Ringer. Logan Murdoch uh, was the one who who shared this, um, and so Yahoo Sports picked it up with. The fact that Green mentioned that veterans such as a LeBron uh, may not show up for NBA openers in December due to short turnaround. So the target, um, as of now, nothing is set in stone, not official. The, the target date is December 22nd, as promised, a few days before Christmas Day. And so kind of continuing that tradition to have games on uh, Christmas Day, um, so that would bleed into that, the holiday. Um, and due to that um, being delayed to the pandemic, um, having forced 
into a bubble. Um, the goal is still for the shortened uh, 72-game season that will uh, come up uh, before the Tokyo Olympics, which will begin in July. And some players are said to be not happy um, what would end up being an unusually short off season. So, yeah, the Lakers guard, uh, Green, he um, just stepped out about how the Vets will not be happy, um, just not expecting LeBron to be there. Um, at least um, the star players in within the first month, he said. And so, yeah, just uh, just a little over two months to recover and reset is not enough, uh, he believes. And also worth noting that um, he doesn't, you know, saying like older players um, just within the first month. Um, so, yeah, this is from the official uh, Ringers NBA show from Monday. Um, just saying that people won't expect them to be playing much. Um, I say it probably will lead into the first two months or so since uh, it's such a short break. And uh, and they're still calling it a restart for some reason. Um, I, we'd like to call it a brand new season because they have started. They came back in the bubble. So that is still unusual to see. And uh, so, I mean, that for me, my opinion is that I don't believe that will affect much. Uh, if we don't see, see uh, LeBron or S- Superman or um, even, you know, guys like, um, what's another bet um, on the Lakers? Well, I guess we could leave at those two um, to show up. And yeah, that's totally fine. Um, I, I, don't, I believe that. Uh, as we've seen during the finals, that they've had their young guys, rookies, step up. And so they're in good hands. And, of course, that led to a NBA title. So um, Green, he continued to say that um, this is just a guess for him. Um, so, yeah, he expects them to be there. Um, and he also expects that the vets will be working out with them, um, probably do some playing, though uh, not officially show up. So I guess it's left for most players, just like for this uh, original restart, to have a choice in um, opting in to play or not, or just having a choice when they want to start based on COVID um, rules and how it's going. So he said it's going to be different in two weeks um, when guys are like, all right, I'm going to get back in the gym, start working out. When we get back in the gym, it's not right to basketball. It's all right. Let me start getting into shape, lifting a little bit, start running around a little bit, and then I'll pick up a ball. And so also worth noting is that um, he doesn't believe that majority – um, everyone will have a diff- different voice because there were teams that weren't playing. Only 22 made it into the bubble or were allowed to. And so those contenders um, within the certain seeds were allowed. And so it uh, doesn't mean all teams, such as the Bulls, were um, were in there. So they had 
more off time, off um, off season, uh, more of a break than the others. So uh, I say that um, as Green believes that there will be some sort, just like NWSL, a uh, regional sort of bubble, regional um, teams. And I believe that that's the best way to go. And that um, so that's a way for uh, a team like the Bulls to to get into. I'd say play those that haven't gotten a chance to play yet. Maybe uh, have that be an experiment. And so uh, it's good that uh, someone's looking out for, uh, I mean, his own team and for just being realistic. And uh, one more thing is that um, he does say that he also knows how important it is for the league to have games played on Christmas Day. Uh, and also that the NBA traditionally holding the marquee slate of games. So, yeah, they'll be starting off uh, strong. Uh, we'll just have to see which teams will be able to play the first few games if um, NBA PA does listen to him. All right, got to my second article for this first five. It is from The Athletic, titled Sixers Hile, not Hile, Hire Daryl Morey. Will the move turn the process into the result by Don Hollinger? This one, basically, I'm kind of, in a sense, confused. Just last week, the 76ers front office said that they were giving their reins exclusively to Elton Brand, who has been the general manager for over two years. And in a sense, Josh Harris, the owner, and the rest of the front office said the keys were for Elton Brand. And he was going to call the shots along with Doc Rivers. But now Elton Brand has been pretty much demoted. And now the keys are given exclusively to the new Daryl Morey, most famous for being the analytical genius with the Houston Rockets, had that controversy with China. Now he's back to, to be the new president of basketball operations for the 76ers. And one thing that's kind of stupid is that they hired Doc Rivers a few weeks ago to be the new head coach. But normally when you hire a new GM, new president, they want to make their own decision, get their own guy but same, same colors different team <laughs> so let's hope that that um doc rivers is a guy that jared Morey likes especially since it's a five-year contract for jared Morey. and i want to say doc rivers is like five years too so let's hope they get along if not that's gonna be a miserable five seasons unless one of them leaves or is fired or quits and we'll have to see if Daryl Moore can turn around the 76ers, hopefully. But I'm not positive. I'm kind of optimistic. We'll see once we learn more about what players he wants to bring in, what he wants to do with regards to coaching decisions, and we'll see down the line. So Daryl Morey now for the, working for the 76ers. My second... One is on regarding uh, combat sports, and that is specifically wrestling, and that uh, WWE Network announced last week um, that uh, conversation series 
is now available every day of the week. So it's available on the free tier, the free version of the network. And so the other network, um, they started doing this. It's almost like in a more of a podcast. So, uh, so some have already had podcasts before, um, audio only, of course, like how we're doing. So, um, this time they're doing, uh, part of the series every day of the week. There's something new, uh, featuring in-depth discussions, hilarious stories, candid interviews, varying on the format. Uh, it will be conducted by superstars like Drew McIntyre, who has never done, only done interviews, never been a host. So that's very, uh, intriguing. Also, The New Day, uh, Alexa Bliss, Isaiah Swerve Scott, and more. So here's the schedule of the following that will occur each week. Uh, Mondays will feature Chasing Glory with former ring announcer Lillian Garcia, one of the GOATs. Tuesdays will feature current uh, Raw superstar um, Alexa Bliss. It's uncool with Alexa Bliss. Wednesdays, so today there's a brand new one, uh, After the Bell with uh, Fred Rackdown announcer. Indeed it is. And uh, so After the Bell with current uh, Friday Night Smackdown announcer Corey Graves. Thursdays will feature uh, Not Sam Wrestling. Fridays will feature NXT Superstar Swerve Scott, the Swerve City podcast, which he's done externally, um, as, uh, like a project on the side. You can catch some past episodes on YouTube. He's always been doing a podcast, so it's nice to see Swerve uh, kind of make it big in a way. Um, haven't connected with uh, the company. And then Saturdays will feature uh, Raw Superstar Drew McIntyre with Drew and A. As in Drew and a certain someone. Sundays will feature the New Day, Feel the Power. So more in-depth, just uh, to kind of get an overview of who's who or who's going to be featured is um, what they call the walking the encyclopedia, Sam Roberts, being the host of Not Sam. Um, and his is a weekly forum celebrating uh, all things wrestling. And the last professional broadcaster, uh, well, his first guest is uh, Hall of Famer X-Pop. And then uh, first, Isaiah Swerve Scott, NXT star, um, and his uh, good friend TZ Scott, who's known as Monteezy, is a rapper, and uh, chats with guests on uh, their accomplishments. Um, not only that, though, their failures, overcoming odds to become superstars of the day, and so, uh, Swerve's first guest on here is uh, Drew McIntyre, Scottish Terminator, of well, many nicknames, <laughs> to uh, he'll discuss music, movies, and challenges he's faced during his journey to the WWE Championship. And that leads to uh, the new program, um, speaking of him, uh, Drew and A. McIntyre will be hosting on Saturdays. And so he'll debut new, uh, two new episodes, actually, and he's going to converse with his father uh, with a discussion with Jason Hawes as well, uh, which is a co-founder of the Atlantic Paranormal Society, uh, perfect for stupid season. And then Sundays, uh, the new day, Feel the Power with Kofi Kingston, Biggie, and Xavier Woods, of the one of the GOAT stables in the company. Um, 
they tell off the wall stories from behind the scenes on the road. So those are as fun. Uh, they, they'll feature or will feature already Mega Ran um, discussing uh, Kofi's epic run to the WWE title and the tr- and about the trio's infamous 4th of July rap battle against the Usos and then also uh, revealing details about uh, Kofi's unused uh, WrestleMania theme song. So that'd be interesting. And cap it all off, we have uh, Chase and Glory with Lillian Garcia, which um, is basically on guests sharing stories of coming hardship, empowering one's own journey to glory, to being superstars. So her first guest would be the Monster Among Men, Raw Superstar Braun Strowman. And then uh, Uncool with Alexa Bliss. She will do um, so every Tuesday. And her first guest is NXT star uh, Drake Maverick. Uh, definitely one of the biggest underdogs. Yeah. And uh, dishing on cringe-worthy moments from before fame. And uh, lastly, we have After the Battle with Corey Graves, which has been on every single Wednesday. Uh, this time we'll see it in video format, and this one's special as we're celebrating 30 days of the Dead Men, and that will feature Graves' eye-opening interview with the Phenom, the legendary, the Undertaker. And uh, his is more on uh, with superstars and legends about their careers and the state of sports entertainment. So that would be very intriguing as well. So yeah, I say we're going to have uh, a lot on our hands uh, to check out within the next few weeks. Which I believe uh, relates to uh, what we're doing too, which we uh, strive to do for interviews on our very own podcast. All right, we've reached our fifth and final headline of the first five. This, take it away, DJ Benny the Bull. Sure. And this one is also on combat sports, this time on the topic of boxing. Yes, we're back. Uh, Since Shark Week, we mentioned about Iron Mike. And so this time we are going to cover... Just kind of preview a little bit. Uh, I know it's in a month. We'll probably get when we get closer to it. We'll talk more. So uh, it's interesting that they're going to have a press conference of sorts tomorrow, and they'll be hyping up for later in November. Uh, so we're a month away from Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. What time is the heavyweight fight? Uh, will it be on pay per view and such? There's multiple ways to watch it, and also uh, streaming on TV. Uh, streaming live and on TV. So, yeah, this one's very exciting. Um, there will be a celebrity fight as well. Um, and also, so this is under the heavyweight division. And so there's going to be one of the craziest prize fights in decades. So uh, it's worth noting that uh, Tyson is currently 54 years old. Um, so still quite uh, in shape. I would say he's maintained um, in good shape, um, in ring shape. Uh, he last fought in the ring in 2005, so it's been 15 years. And that was his retirement against Kevin McBride in Washington. Um, and Jones Jr. is also um, a legend in his own right. He's uh, three years younger than Iron Mike. 
Um, he's been far more active, and also he last fought Scott Sigman, uh, and then was victorious uh, via 10 round decision. So yeah, that uh, no knockouts in that one. Um, for me, I would probably expect one for this one. And uh, yeah, so we're a month away. This will take place on Saturday, November 28th at Staples Center in LA, famous arena. And uh, I mean, I'm sure they'll love to have it in Vegas. I would say that would be probably the better choice. Uh, they also have the option for the most world's most famous arena. That is MSG, Madison Square Garden. Uh, though, yeah, probably they kind of chose carefully. Uh, wanted to be still be in a big place like Staples. So I don't blame them for choosing that. And um, how to watch. Well, this one, um, pricing and other places will be announced uh, in the future. The for now, uh, BT Sports spot, Sport BT Sport Box Office. Uh, that will be live on exclusively. And also um, will be on the famous platform Fight TV, Fight TV apps uh, on PC and mobile, uh, as well as Tyson on Thriller, which is a UK-based um, site, independent.co, that UK Tyson on Thriller for $49.99. And there's also kind of hyping up like most boxing fights, um, 10-part documentary series through Triller in the build-up to this heavyweight bout. And um, if you want to know any others that we'll be fighting um, besides this, um, Tyson versus Jones Jr. will be eight rounds. And then also eight rounds is the light heavyweight with Bado Jack versus Blake McKernan. And then under the cruiserweight division, there's two, which will have We'll pit six rounds, and we there's Vidal Riley, which I'm not too familiar with, and then Rashad Coulter, and then there's a some kind of a celeb uh, celebrity bout as well, also under that division, the cruiserweights, which will pit Jake Paul, which uh, CJ Hawk just uh, dis- dislikes that entire family, and uh, this will feature. His opponent, who is a Chicago Bulls legend, who we are we will be rooting for, and that is Nate Robinson. So, uh, just to continue, the odds of this uh, are in Tyson's there with 1.62, and then Jones 2.28. So, uh, despite uh, Iron Mike being a little bit older, uh, they're about the same. Uh, same in weight as well though yeah it's uh, interesting to note that if you'd like to get more hype on this um, verbal they'll be trading verbals during the official pre-fight press conference tomorrow Thursday the 29th of October at 6pm on BT Sports' YouTube channel so uh, yeah I'll be catching that and um, why we are seeing this um, Tyson um, he's taking the fight because he believes that he can do it and that he believes other other people, other fans will believe that he can do it too uh, just for being um, his age 54 um, he says it doesn't mean that we have to start a new career and our lives are totally over when you feel as beautiful as I do and I'm sure that 
other people feel the same way. So simple. Um, he said he never took that many punches after the last one he had. Um, I left and I left my life and I've been doing, been through some experiences. Now I'm back here. I feel like I took better care of my body and my state of mind than most of the guys before me that retired and came back. And yeah, I say if you could take on the sharks, if he's not at least not even fear, doesn't have a fear for sharks, he definitely has been, uh, he still has that grit. And then Jones Jr. said that um, why he's taking this fight is that, um, yeah, he's been enjoying retirement, but people don't want to see him, don't want, to, don't seem to want me to let me retire. Um, they, uh, they keep calling me, telling me that Mike wants to come back, and uh, just saying that he's the perfect opponent for um, for Iron Mike, and then also that um, we always want to see it. Um, so yeah, two legends. Would have preferred it back then, though uh, Tyson's a hell of a specimen still. Still a problem to deal with. Same time, like this life, you only live once. So he is YOLOing it. You want to know what it's like when you go in there and you see. You, get, you still gotta see it. So yeah, I'm very excited for this and uh, definitely keep an eye on it. CJ, what's your uh, opinions? Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, excited to see if it is legit. Like, it's really a fight, or is it more just, like, publicity stuff where they're both not going all out or trying? It's just, like, publicity. Right, I hope not. And I'm so glad that this is on the same card um, as the Paul Robbins, Paul and Robinson fight uh, under cruiserweight division uh, because uh, I wouldn't want to see that. I don't believe that deserves to be in the main event, so... Uh, I, I look forward to um, Tyson Jones way more, and uh, I say they they will. They kind of have to for the sake of uh, boxing fans. Uh, though, uh, yeah, I, I look for this to be a very good one, and uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see a lot more. We'll be uh, the judge after the the pre-fight uh, press con- press conference tomorrow. Uh, anything else you'd like to say about this? Since uh, coming from. The last time we mentioned about Tyson? No, not not really. That's all I have for that. Yeah. Yeah, what's your what's your prediction? Just uh, early predictions for this. Uh Oof. how about for, for the two uh I guess big big uh fights though? Uh well Jake Paul will be easily defeated and then um He's not an athlete. <laughs> no, we defeated. And then um the other one I guess I'd say probably I don't know uh I don't know I probably guess I'd go with John Jones but I don't know yeah I bet well thanks for listening to our first five wrap just wrapped it up stay tuned for Chicago Bears Chicago Red Stars and more sports recaps and news we're back here on the Bulldog Sports Show. We just finished our first five. Now we're getting into the main event, the headliner for episode 47. The Chicago Bears versus LA Rams Monday Night Football game. This was not a fun result. It wasn't a game that 
when it ended, I was like, the Bears showed me their offense is high-level explosive. That didn't happen. I that their uh, ESPN on ABC, because I expect... Uh, I guess I should be expecting uh, all the games to be on TV, TV. Um, so I was glad when I saw that on TV again, that it was being shown on uh, ABC. Because usually Monday night, no guarantees. Usually I expect it just to be on ESPN Maine. So uh, happy about that. So we're getting every we're getting every single game basically. Yep. So. So battle of two teams that are playing okay. Bears came in at five and one, Rams four and two. And there was some criticism to both squads. The Bears, well, they haven't won pretty. Every game was a nail biter, barely eked out enough points. The defense barely did well enough. Whereas the Rams, their criticism was that their wins were against the Cowboys, Eagles, Giants, and Redskins, or not Redskins, Washington football team respectively so all four of their wins were against horrible squads and their two losses were against bills and 49ers two good squads so like well are the rams for real or pretenders and i think they showed that they are indeed for real and the bears pretender status will continue for another week sadly yeah week seven yeah i am i'm happy to say that it's such a uh, very nice scene um, the new SoFi Stadium. Yeah, it was nice. Right. A spectacle. Very, very nice. Uh, very nicely done. Uh, cool to see that new stadium. And also worth noting that the, the Rams are 15-4 and four at home. That's right. So uh, in their new home, just any home that they've been part of, they're 15-4 and four, uh, since 2018. So they had uh, the spirits on their side. All right. And, uh, yeah. would, would you say, if you're a predictor for this, if you're an expert, would you have said that the Bears could have done better, as we originally predicted, if they were here at home at Soldier? Uh, I don't know if it was the atmosphere that killed them. I think maybe we could have got at least one touchdown more. Maybe we could have scored like 14 points instead of 10. But Nick Foles looked so poor that I don't think the st- stadium atmosphere would have changed anything, yes. really. He went from fair to abysmal. Uh, he's been... I don't know, because Mitch Trubisky started uh, games one and two, got us two wins, and then he got benched for Nick Foles. Nick Foles brought us back to get that W. And then Nick Foles has first real start, looked horrible against the Colts. Then... He played against the Bucks and was alright. He wasn't horrible. We won that game. Then he played okay against the Panthers. And then today, or Monday, he played awful. And one thing that is annoying me is that he throws an interception every game. I'm pretty sure he's thrown one, at least one interception every game with the Bears. Of, of, of one. And he threw <laughs> two in this game. So double... And I guess let's get into the scoring drives, drive summary. So Bears received the kickoff first. They had a pretty long six-play drive to start off the game. Nothing really occurred. A nice pass to Cordell Patterson was pretty much the only thing of note. So they punted, Bears punted. 
Rams got the ball. And they had some okay stuff punted as well. So the Bears got the ball back again. And they got a free yard run by David Montgomery. Then an incomplete pass. Then a two-yard pass. And then a punt. So they had to punt right away. Rams get the ball back. And this is where they got on the board. So Jared Goff, the number one pick from a number of seasons ago, took the Rams to the Super Bowl. The hype around him is kind of slowed. Like, is he really that good? But I think he's perfectly fine. So, big drive for him. Incomplete pass to Josh Reynolds. Then he got a 16-yard pass to Jalen Everett for 16 yards. Akeem Hicks had a bad game. This was a nar legal use of hands. It was declined. He had multiple penalties. Akeem Hicks had multiple legal use of hands and multiple other penalties. And normally Akeem Hicks has been the rock for the Bears. He's been one of the reasons why our defenses look so really? stout. But Akeem Hicks, not a good game. Then, yeah. then Jared Goff, 14-yard pass to Jefferson. Then another seven-yard pass to Johnny Mutt, who I want to give credit to Johnny Mutt. I'd never heard of him going into this game. The announcers seem to never have heard of him either. He only was playing due to an injury, a last-minute injury, so they brought in Johnny Mutt. And I want to give a lot of credit to Johnny Mutt. He came out of zero catches this season, came out with not zero catches. His stat line was, Three catches, 48 yards, three targets. So good job for Johnny Mutt. Want to give him props considering he probably won't get any more props the rest of the season. But I like to highlight people who didn't have a sexy name going in but made an impact. So Johnny Mutt makes a impact early on for the Rams. Then a four-yard run for Daryl Henderson. Then Jared Goff, seven-yard pass to Johnny Mutt again. Another good catch by Johnny Mutt. Then, touchdown! Jared Goff to Josh Reynolds for four yards. Touchdown. Extra point is good. Josh Reynolds played well in this game as well for the Rams. Bears down 7 nothing, And the Bears' offense, due to its being so poor, so inconsistent, when the team comes down 7 nothing, to me personally, it felt like 40 to nothing. We were down 7 nothing, but my hope for the team to come back and score was so little that right. 7 nothing seemed so big. But to the Bears' credit, they did start trying to come back, clawing their way. A great pass to Cole Komet, 38 yards by Nick Foles. This is probably the biggest throw of the game for Nick Foles. Biggest catch of Cole Komet's young career. Matt Nagy's been staying for weeks that Cole Komet's not getting enough targets. We need to target more. And he keeps saying that every day. I'm like, stop saying that. Show me the results. Show me he's getting more targets. And they targeted him early in this game. And then Matt Nagy was like, wait, who? And then they forgot about him. So they, they targeted him like uh, to start the game, and then they completely forgot about him. So he had that awesome 38-yard catch. Then the next play was a 7-yard catch by Cole Komet. Another good catch. So he got... 44 yards and two catches. One yard run by Dave Montgomery. Another run by Dave Montgomery. 
pass to Cordell Patterson. And I, I'm just getting tired of Cordell Patterson. He is supposedly a kickoff man. He's a speedster. When you say Cordell Patterson, literally he's like um, Devin Hester speed. But they used Daryl Patterson. No. They used Cordell Patterson in a lot of jet sweeps, a lot of short pass plays, run plays, and a lot of times it doesn't pan out. So maybe they need to switch how they're using Cordell Patterson. I think he can be used, but they need to figure out a different package scheme for Patterson. Montgomery for yard run. Pass to Darnell Mooney for free yards, who had a bad game. I like Darnell Mooney. He's a fast fifth yard yard pick this season. Speedster type. Small guy, but very fast. And he and Nick Foles need to get better at connection. Nick Foles missed a lot of throws that he threw to Darnell Mooney. He targeted him pretty many times this game. And most of them were connected, which is a problem. So they had to get a field goal out of this. Cairo Santos, 42-yard field goal was good. 7-3. Rams. Finally, Bears got on the board. And the Bears managed to stop the Rams on the next drive. Bears got the ball back. Immediately, they got a run by Montgomery. That incomplete pass sent an 8-yard pass. But it was reversed by, to Juwan Wims. They fought it was a first down. But the Rams challenged this. And I agree that it was not a first down. He was a little bit short. He almost was at the correct yard line. But he was probably half a yard short. So they reversed the call. And I didn't have any gripes about that. Because I didn't think he was far enough for a first down. Then a four-yard penalty. False start on Rashad Coward. Played poor. He did not look good. Completely overmatched by Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd. They played a lot better than Rashad Coward. Then they had to punt it. Rams got the ball back. And a 16-yard run by Cooper Cup. Then a 30-yard pass to Johnny Mutt. Another great catch by Johnny Mutt. His last catch of the game. Big one. 34-yard catch. Good job for Johnny Mutt. 7-yard run. Daryl Henderson. Hedgeson run again. Pass play. And a field goal. 22-yard field goal is good. The Bears did a good job stopping the Rams at least the first half and getting touchdowns. They did a good job with limiting the damage, having that classic uh, bend but don't break defense. And they kept it at 10-3, which is completely doable for a real team to come back and score maybe. Could they get seven points? Like That's not asking the world. It's not asking everything of them. The next drive, Nick Foles looked all right. 14-yard pass to Allen Robson, who at this point had not got targeted or got a catch yet, which is a big problem late in the second quarter. He needs to get targeted way more. He's our best pass catcher, best receiver. I don't know why he's not being targeted. Diana, short pass to Jimmy Graham. Nice 18-yard pass to Darnell Mooney. Then Nick Foles was sacked. Then sacked again. And then sacked one more time. And they ended up having to punt... End of half, 10 to 3, Rams. The Bears' offense looked poor again. The defense bailed them out. And a lot of times people say that when a the defense mantra that they're out there for so long is kind of overhyped. 
the defense was out there way too long in my estimate. And they got tired, I think, and that's totally reasonable when they're out there for so long. First quarter started, two punts. Then the Rams got scoring again. A big 21-yard pass to Josh Reynolds. Pass to Cooper Cup, 10 yards. Malcolm Brown, 12-yard run. Penalty on Keem Hicks. A unsportsmanlike conduct. And the Rams got a touchdown via a Michael Brown run. 17-3 Rams. Bears got the ball back, and you expect, well, maybe Nick Foles can make something big happen. Could he make it a 17-10 instead of 17-3 deficit? But no. Nine-yard pass to Demetrius Harris, who I can't stand. He never does anything. They're like, let's target him more and more. It's like, why is Demetrius Harris getting so many targets? <laughs> then a five-yard run by Dave Montgomery. Nice pass to Jimmy Graham, 15 yards. Another 11-yard run to Mooney. Then a penalty, 26 yards on Williams. Defensive pass interference. Big play for the Bears. Got us closer to the end zone. Six-yard pass to Demetrius Harris. So he got a target, a catch, which was okay. Then, Nick Foles was looking to the end zone. They were at first and 10 at the LA 15, close to the end zone. He could have targeted, for example, Cole Komet, nice big tight end, would have been a smart target. Could have targeted Allen Robinson. They had substituted out Jimmy Graham, which didn't make sense to me. He's 6'7", 260 pounds at least. He's great in the end zone as a close ball fret, but instead he decided to target Darnell Mooney, who's fast, who I like, but target him. Interception. Horrible throw by Nick Foles. Easily intercepted by Rapp of the Rams. Rams get the ball back. They didn't putz around. Got a big touchdown out of the next drive. 25-yard run by Woods. It's a lot of run plays. And it got touched down by Gerald Everett, 12 yards, 24-3 to Rams. Then the Bears looked poor the next drive. They had to risk it all on third and eight to get that first down. They needed it because the time was running out. But they decided, let's risk it. And then they failed. Cordell Patterson, abysmal run. This was unacceptable. Cordell Patterson decided to give, give a handoff to Patterson. And you think, well, maybe they needed that one yard. Could he do it? No, he was easily stopped. Wasn't even close. Patterson easily crushed. Loss of yards. So no first down. Then the Rams got the ball. Got close to a field goal. They were 40 yards away, but it was blocked by Robertson Harris of the Bears. Good job by Harrison to block that. But didn't really matter. It still would have been 27-3 instead of 24-3. So I don't think it really mattered. Bears got the ball back again. Big 42-yard catch by Allen Robson. First time he made a big contribution. Great catch by him. He was guarded by Jalen Ramsey, the star cornerback. Nick Foles had some okay stuff. They were fourth and goal. They had to risk it for first down yet again. This time, no Cordell Patterson, but this time Nick Foles said, Oh no, I don't know what I'm doing. And he was easily sacked. Oh no, I oh, no, threw the ball out. And then he's <laughs> easily sacked. 
Then the Rams got the ball back. This time a fumble. Robert Quinn recovered it. Good job by the Bears. Eddie Jackson got it. Got a touchdown. 10, 24-10. Rams. Great job, Eddie Jackson. He's great on getting touchdowns for the Bears, which isn't that great to brag about. He's a defenseman, not an offensive player. Getting a lot of touchdowns is good, but someone needs to get more than him. It's getting tiring. The defense has to get all these touchdowns. Punt by the Rams. The yeah, this is the point where uh, where where months uh, for offensive holding yeah. decision was declined. <laughs> that is a uh, yeah. That was definitely one that I thought would have been uh, gone through, though wasn't to be. Yeah, oh. And also, the extra point was yeah. good. Yep. Also, delivered. I just want to give credit to. Johnny Hecker, the punter for the Rams. We haven't mentioned him yet, but he was fantastic in this game. He got the Bears pinned at like the one-yard line, six-yard line, seven-yard line. So the Bears, pretty much all their drives, they started off at horrible field position. And when you have to start off that far in your own territory, it's going to be difficult. And the Bears' offense just isn't very explosive. It's not an explosive offense where... Nick Foles can throw big pass plays, big runs by the running team. And since they can't do that, it's going to be difficult to get touchdowns out of poor field position. Get towards the end of the game. Nick Foles, two incomplete passes, got a nice pass to Dave Montgomery, never passed play to Allen Robinson, never passed to Dave Montgomery. Nick Foles wanted to throw to Jimmy Graham, but Nick Foles threw a pass that was like, whatever. And it was intercepted by Jalen Ramsey easily. That pretty much ended the Bears' fate. Punt by Rams. Bears got the ball back. Turnover on downs. Nothing really sexy happened. And this game was over. So Bears lost 24-10. Nick Foles played probably his worst or second worst game as a member of the Chicago Bears. You could say this one or the one against the Colts. Both were pretty bad. This one, the thing that's scary for the Bears' offense is that they never scared me personally. Like, oh, I'm going to see them score big right here. They never they never gave me any optimism or hope that, well, we're down 10-3, we can come back. And when it got to 17-3, I was like, it's over. And it was over. Bears lost 24-10. And honestly, it wasn't that close. Personally, to me, it felt more of a 24, more of like a 40 Three score 40 10 then 24 10 so bears defeated on monday night so let's move to preview of next week's game so it will be week eight of the season this is going to be Sunday. yes saints bears 325 on fox this is fox game of the week like they always advertise saints Four and two. They had a bye last week. Bears five and two. And I haven't looked at the stat line or anything, but I'm betting the Saints are going to be favored. And personally, I probably favor them myself. Yeah, we have uh, one DB in that is Drew Brees leading the charge that is not in LA. Against Nick Foles, very likely. And here are the league rankings for both teams. 
The Saints are 20th in offense, 3rd in defense, 16th in passing offense, and 20th in rushing offense. So nothing explosive. Bears, 23rd in offense, defense, 15th, passing, 20th, and rushing, 31st. Which, yikes. Yeah, the Saints, uh, as you just uh, said, is their big threat, their defense. The Saints haven't so, looked... Yeah. Yeah. The Saints haven't looked that great this year yet. They are 4-2. But maybe they could start playing better. If we beat them, we swept the NFC South, which that'd be cool. And yeah. this game... Do you believe it's due to them um, facing uh, good teams? They played Tom Brady and they um, beat Tom Brady. That was a good game. But besides yeah. that, they haven't looked that great. But maybe going off a bye, they might be dangerous. I'm not sure. I think this right. is going to be... As we only have uh, had six six days. Yeah. Uh, technically playing the same week. So uh, that's going to play a factor too. And basically the formula for win a win in this game for the Bears is first, keep them low scoring. Second, don't let Jabriz beat you. And third, get Nick Foles at least... I think that the Rams, not the Rams, the Saints need to make some plays happen. I think if the Saints get maybe 20 points, it might be too much for the Bears. I think the Bears need to hold them to 17, 14 points, to be honest. I know it's a low bar, but the Bears' offense has been so poor, and the Saints' defense has been pretty good, and their offense does have Drew Brees, Alva Kamara, and other offensive weapons. It is a home game for the Bears, so that's positive. But yeah, they're back. And soldier. I don't know. Yeah, and so entering this, um, the Saints, they're lacking big plays this season. So, yeah, that's definitely a big one. And uh, also listed, same strange, but true. Uh, Bears are the only team above point five hundred and averaging fewer than 20 points per game this season. Uh, yep, their their record will not uh, will not show that. So that is something they're dealing with, um, or have some sort of a strange aspect or how the Bears have been. And so them going head to head, very interesting. Um, Breeze and Foles. This practically confirms that Foles will continue to be starting for the Bears and uh, so Breeze versus Foles uh, Breeze has defeated uh, Foles 2-0 and yep. so that makes 0-2 uh, <laughs> between these rivals so uh, that is very and the passer rating for Breeze is 91 and while 83.9 goes to Foles Alright, I think I'm ready yeah. to make my prediction for this week. And yeah. Actually, I have a few more. Oh, go um, ahead. Um, inside the numbers, um, this will actually be the fifth game this season between former Super Bowl MVP quarterbacks. Most recent uh, being such MVPs having won each of the last three matchups, and that goes to Foles, actually. So we have that edge. Uh, as a more recent uh, Super Bowl champion. 
And then uh, in terms of uh, overall, the squads, Breeze versus Bears, just uh, one versus all, let's just say. <laughs> Drew Brees uh, has eight pass touchdowns and zero interceptions in the last four matchups against the Bears. And also, uh, how about uh, with the Bears, uh, their defense is allowing an opposing pass rating, as we already know, uh, of 78 this season, which is the third lowest in the NFL. So, yeah, we're going to have to work on that. And also, uh, the spotlight, the player to watch out for is Elvin Kamara. Yep. And that is listed. Lights, Kamara action. Uh, Kamara has, of the Saints, he is the running back for the Saints. Um, He has 100-plus scrimmage yards in five straight games. And that he is on a streak that is the longest active streak in NFL today. So keep your eye on out for him. And that's what I have for the preview for the Sunday. All right. My prediction for score is I'm choosing, sorry, Chicago Bears, but I can't good conscience choose you. Choosing Saints to win this game. In 20 to 12. I'll also say we go with the Saints as well. And my score prediction is also very low scoring. I say we will get very few. So Saints... Um, Twenty ten. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking we would be stuck with field goals, so twenty ten sounds pretty good. Touchdown and a field goal. Yeah, and if I kind of back it up, uh, I can I can foresee us um, just overall both uh, scoring even lower, if anything. So probably like a seventeen. Uh, Sure, that's possible. Re-even. Well, thanks for listening to our Chicago Bears recap of the Rams game and preview of the Saints game. Hopefully, it's actually 2012 Bears. We'll hope that. But, I don't know. My Not very optimistic. The Bears' offense has been so poor. And our defense is having to play so much. And... If Nick Foles starts playing better, I'll gladly eat my words and say, well, he just needed some time, needed some extra games. <laughs> but at this point, if he keeps playing this poor, I'm worried, considering will it be him or Mitch Trubisky? Neither options that sexy to me, but at least Trubisky can run. I guess that's a positive takeaway from it. But yeah. I don't yeah. know. The youth on this side. We'll see. As that upside for him, at least. Well, thanks for listening to this. I and you balance that with Foles. Um, yeah. His um, overall experience. Right. Stay tuned for our Chicago Red Stars coverage upcoming right after this.
Dun, dun, dun. We're back on the Bulldog Sports Show for our final explosive. And we say explosive on the show like all time. But this is like extra explosive compared to normal. This has to do with um, the end of Bissell, the National Women's Soccer League. This was a stunning move in two reasons for me personally. One, I was stunned that two players I really liked on the team were dealt. And the second one was I did not know that was actually something that could happen at all in the league. I didn't know that was actually a rule or bylaw, that there was something that could be agreed upon and dealt. And what am I talking about? This is from The Athletic. NWSL expansion draft rules, how allocation money will impact racing Louisville, who are a new team into the NWSL, brand new, starting this season. This is by Meg Linehan, who's an excellent writer for The Athletic. She's probably... In my opinion, the best National Women's Soccer League writer out there. Yeah, so you want to very limited staff. Very that, limited, uh, yeah. but she's yeah. one of the best out there. She's the face of that, and uh, excellent podcast too. Yeah, it's good. Um, Full time, enjoyable with Meg is is awesome too. Which I haven't gotten to listening recently because Later, I don't but... want to get spoiled with any results. So <laughs> like, yeah, we'll we'll have a episode of our own dedicated for to wrap up the fall series as well sometime later this week all right this is the explosive trade chicago red stars hometown team my favorite team had a conundrum probably their five best players core players they have who are uh u.s national team players who am i talking about morgan bryan She's married now, so it's Morgan Garrat, but I'm still going to refer to her as Morgan yeah, Bryan because I'll Goudreau. forget. Yeah, good draw. It's very unusual to be able to dedicate. We explain, like, kind of surprise her. Uh, yeah. Her, uh, her hubby. Uh, Tiana Davidson. Said, uh, that, that one day during the, during right. the summer. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, Morgan Garrot, Tiana Davidson, Julie Ertz, Alyssa Nair, and Casey Short. There are five probably five core players and they're due to the expansion draft racing Louisville will get to draft players from the nine other squads and these five were available so in a stunning move the Chicago Red Stars decided agreed with racing Louisville to make a trade so racing Louisville now officially has two players on the team they got uh Yuki, who was one of I really liked, Luki Nagasato. Fun fact, she was playing for the men's Japanese squad. So isn't she yeah, in Japan right now? Amateur, amateur league. She's in Japan right now, right? Oh, yes. In the homeland and, and mixing it up with the guys. Very historic. I, I believe the, the name is uh, something uh, Hayabusa. I think so. And the other one was my personal favorite they player. List, they list her as midfielder, so I mean that's that's, that's like different. a change. That is different. She's uh, been a forward, like or went back and forth, but like lately, it's been um, kind of I guess the uh, head coach kind of trading, uh, mixing up the positions. So yeah. Oh, so that and, was unusual. Right. I'm with you on that. And another person they traded was. My favorite player on the team, Savannah McCaskill. She was my favorite Red Star. Been a big fan of her since I started watching. 
the NWSL, which is as of 2019. So very new to the sport and really enjoyed watching her. She's been traded to Racing Louisville along with a international slot for 2021 and 22, plus their first round draft pick in the NWSL College Draft, which was number five. So Racing Louisville got two great players on their team, got some good draft pick, and I think I'm going to start watching Racing Louisville, maybe watch them, because they have two players I really liked, so that always helps. Give them a chance. Yeah. <laughs> so what does this mean for the Red Stars? Basically, it means that none of the players will be available now, so the Red Stars don't have to worry about any players being drafted by... Yes. Racing Louisville. Yeah, so a little more insight is that the Red Stars acquire full roster protection right. from this expansion draft. Yeah. So that was a very intelligent maneuver by them. And so with this, just like the athletic reporting, that uh, it does give them more control over their fate in the expansion draft. And so, yeah, the team... Uh, are stockpiling resources for that reason uh, over the past few years. Resta is very um, smart, like over the years, been doing so, um, things like this. And so, yeah, um, it also goes on for that it might not have been necessary, though, since the expansion draft could look considerably different than previously. Um, it's due to the intro of allocation money, which has been since uh, the last year or so uh, into the mix. And uh, and they also uh, are looking at potential for a generational player, Stanford's Canarina Macario, to enter the 20, 2021 college draft. So that is not until months later. So this expansion draft will happen next month and that is on thursday november 12th so yeah it's coming uh, in a few weeks so uh, more on that is that this is due to the nwsl's trade slash waiver window closing uh, thursday so uh it was good that they got this done earlier and conclude after the conclusion of the competition schedule, which was less ball series. And uh, Red Stars head coach Rory Names had to stay on Savannah and Yuki that want to thank Savannah and Yuki for their commitment and contributions for this club both on and off the field. While we'll miss having them both on the pitch with us, we look forward to watching them thrive in Louisville. And Coach Names says things similar. He never says much negative about his players and being the first team, like I wouldn't blame him and just a very good group of girls. And um, I'm sure he looks very highly to every single uh, player that's played him for a long time. And so um, McCaskill really hasn't been on for as long as you'd be though. No. Um, she was actually required by Chicago via trade in June 2019. So I've had basically seen her since the beginning, um, a brand new Red Star, since I went to my uh, first few games um, last year. So um, McCaskill is always one to um, watch for and 
Um, she made uh, overall 28 appearances over the past two years. Uh, 10 that is within the Challenge Cup and Fall Series. Um, she has scored two goals and been an assist monster. Um, three, uh, three more. Uh, I believe that means five assists during the time in Chicago, and uh, the one one of the two goals happened during the Challenge Cup semifinal. And then, as far as Yuki um, Nagasato, she was acquired by Chicago three and a half years ago, May of 2017. Uh, that was coming off hot after a FIFA World Cup and UEFA Champions League, uh, winning both of them under Japan, uh, the Japan national team. And then she has made very much most um, of her career with 52 appearances for Chicago. Uh, the span of the three years. And then 2019, lead the league with eight assists, and then earned a place into the 2019, and then we saw second 11. So that is amazing. And so again, this is leading into next month. And yeah. So also, the Athletic said that they acquired a full copy of the expansion draft rules right. uh, yet to be made public. Um, they're set to be released tomorrow, which is today. So, yeah, we'll see on that. And one final comment. I think this would be a fun exercise in the future. If you were the Louisville Racing, or Racing Louisville FC general manager, who would you draft from the available player pool? I think we could do that in the future, but I think that would be a fun exercise. So, thanks for listening to coverage. Seeing two well-beloved players, the Red Stars head to Louisville, Kentucky. And the Red Stars had to make a gut call in keeping their five core. So, Morgan Bryant, Taryn Davidson, Julie Ertz, Alyssa Nair, and Keisha Schwart. And personally, I would have made sure that Alyssa Nair was exempt. I don't think letting her go, letting her go would have been a big mistake. Oh, yeah. I don't she think... Is, like, yeah. possibly, like, one of two, maybe one of three that I absolutely make, would make sure to hold on to the yeah. heat on the Red Stars. Yeah. is that importance. And... Um, the, best, the best one. <laughs> Top choice. I don't know. I guess... I guess if it was me, the one I, that I would have hoped of the five, if we didn't do this, like, um, expansion draft exempt... I guess the one that I'd hoped they would have chosen probably would have been either Tanner Davidson or Casey Short, I guess. Yeah, you, you wouldn't mind seeing them go away? Because I don't, I wouldn't want to see Listener or Julie Ertz go. And yeah, I don't think I would want to see Morgan Bryan go because I think she's a really good yeah. defender. So yeah. Tanner Davidson. Yeah, yeah, Julie and Alyssa are franchise, so to speak. Because I think uh, Casey will always be the constants, right. or have been the constants since the beginning. I think Casey uh, Short could have been um, doable if she had left, because we still would have had Savannah McCaskill and Yuki on the team. Yeah, and also with um, who's recently called up, um, one of the best defenders, uh, Sarah Gordon. As yeah. Well. So, so I, I mean, think Casey Short. If you would have kept one of the two, 
uh, defenders and Casey or Sarah, like, I, I mean, we have to at least keep one of them. I say both are very valuable. Um, and so, yeah, it wouldn't have been a smart move to tr- really trade uh, both of them or, no. or what have you. So in terms of forwards, yeah, we're definitely leaving even more of a gap yeah, in that hold. department. So um, I guess the Red Stars haven't focused on the youth in a way or just um, right. their newer uh, players like Kilia, like um, rookie like Bianca, um, even um, to name again, the the one that, that's oh, Sarah Lubert yeah. as well. Um, giving them more of a chance and uh, this is probably not the end. Um, I say sometime the next like year or two we could see uh, McCaskill and or UP back. Um, I say they belong and it's not like we haven't seen that before. No, um, it's possible. It can happen and, and it's just possible. We'll still be seeing them in the league so it's not like yes. they're Retiring, right? leaving or retiring, so um, it's just sucks that we're not able to. They're not a red star technically anymore, though. As we usually say, as any players and coaches uh, within the Red Stars organization have said, and me being in Zooms, uh, Zoom calls within uh, during shelter in place and all that. Um, that so lately, though, just based on that history, I've word of mouth everything it's always know that it's once a red star always a red star so at some point i say destiny will lead the two to the favorites in them they will come back one day let's just we're have hope (laughs) so yeah i mean it's just exciting that um this is happening and I'm still happy for one aspect that we have full protection um, despite having to trade uh, them two away. Any other thoughts uh, before? No, that's all I have really. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening to our NWSL coverage and we'll have more in future episodes. And look for to have a guest or two. Um, we don't have too many friends that are um, so much uh, fans or have gotten to uh, the league. Though so, with what we have, we look forward to having them. Um, let's say in episode fifty. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned for more.